and welcome to the Good Leadership Podcast, where today we review the September 2023 Good Leadership Breakfast featuring Michelle Havens from Northern Trust Company. I'm Paul Botts, the CEO and founder of Good Leadership. And I'm JC Lippold, one of the Good Leadership Coaches. President and Chief Learning Officer of Good Leadership, Kevin Sensenig, is presenting at a national conference today. So I'm thrilled to be here in his place. Good Leadership is an organizational effectiveness firm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Good Leadership Breakfast is the signature event of the firm that started 13 years ago as a small gathering of like-minded leaders and has grown into a dynamic force of leaders who are improving the way organizations operate because they know goodness pays. So don't you think that asked, that begs the question, JC, what do we mean by goodness? Will you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. As confirmed by our research, goodness is defined as when people thrive together in a culture of encouragement, accountability, and positive teamwork. The Thrive Together concept creates the perfect platform for the coaching processes we use to create team alignment and the leadership development programs that increase organizational capacity. So to get started, we need to thank Old National Bank for being the presenting sponsor of The Breakfast and this podcast. And if you haven't seen their hilarious and awesome TV ads, you just have to see them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love that we show the uh, show these commercials at The Breakfast and, you know, the one we show today without giving it away, but you can never go wrong with a little bit of golf humor. Yeah, and it was funny. The people at my table had never seen them. They were literally belly laughing at the table. It's so interesting to have that happen. We had a live event like that. It was awesome. Before we get into this, what's going on in your life, JC? Yeah, so the seasons are changing, Paul. So uh, for me, that means uh, my two little dogs start crawling inside of the fireplace and my big dog loves to be out for some walks. So I'm really appreciating, um, you know, as a lot of the um, work world starts shifting back into the non-summer part of the year that always matches up with with how we act outside of the uh, workplace as well. Paul, what's new with you? This is the last thing I'm going to do today before um, I get ready to take a trip across the pond. Um, my wife, Melinda, and I are both celebrating our 60th birthdays this year. Congrats. Mine was back in March. Hers is in October. So naturally, we're going to Ireland in uh, September, taking a couple of our kids with us. Should be a lot of uh, Guinness, a lot of whiskey, maybe walking a few meadows and uh, listening to some music in the bars and pubs and things like that. So um very excited to do that. Oh, that sounds perfect. I will uh, be jumping over the pond to Berlin next week for the marathon as well. So different parts, but a uh, perfect time to get away. Well, mine will be a drinking marathon. <laughs> I will not be running. I guarantee you that. Okay, enough of that banter. So this morning was the 104th episode of the Good Leadership Breakfast. Michelle Havens was the first speaker of our fall series, which we called Good Leadership as a Team Sport. We chose this theme because we've proven over time that good leadership is a plural concept. It's about getting other people to work together. So it's not an individual endeavor, and we just felt it was time to talk about good leadership as a team sport. So, JC, will you explain to some of the people what happened earlier in the meeting today? Yeah. We consistently host more than 200 leaders in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area of Minnesota at Metropolitan Ballroom. Mm-hmm. The program today featured the president of West Region of the West Region for Northern Trust, Michelle Havens. And before Michelle took the stage, we collected some data from the audience. And later in the program, we did a workshop to help the leaders in the room improve their teams. Yeah, I really love how we're starting to collect data on a regular basis. And putting it into action right away in the room, there were some people that made some pretty interesting development plans about what they learned just in a very short workshop period. So can you share a little quick summary of what we learned from our research? Yeah, absolutely. The neat thing that happens at the breakfast is beforehand, we collect pre-poll data from leaders out in the world. And then when we poll those attending the breakfast, we have a great glimpse into how goodness really pays. 
So two of the questions that we prompted the attendees today, first of all, the highest performing teams are most dependent on what? For the pre-polled audience, 55% said that it's an external force, right? The team leader, other teams within the organization, outside factors such as customer satisfaction. People who attended the breakfast today said overwhelmingly, almost 70% depend on team members to truly bring high performance to, to, to the work they're doing. That's amazing. Yeah, and that fits our point of view that team members hold each other accountable and raise the standard performance in the team to a higher level. It's not the team leader's job. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the other, what should not be an aha, but often is, we ask the question, what best describes your team leadership style? Relational or structural? And those outside of the room, 48% relational, 52% structural. You know, Paul, you always say, you know, you ask 100 people this in the room, 50% are going, duh, the answer is A, and duh, the answer is B. What happened in the room this morning? 80% said relational, which I think points to the fact that we know that in fight and flight time, in change time, leaders put their heads down and they hide within the structural things that they can control. The people in the room this morning knew there's magic within the relational elements. Yeah. And also, um, structural leadership is all about uh, planning and organizing. You're creating clarity and follow-through systems, things like that. Relational leadership is about the care and concern we have for other people and, you know, connecting as human beings. And it's also no surprise to me that it's the networking events like the Good Leadership Breakfast are much more appealing to people who consider themselves as relational than people who consider themselves as structural. So I got a good kick out of that one. Yeah, exactly. So what else did we learn? Yeah. So as we then put this into play um, in the workshop later on, we saw that people were really starting to consider the nature of both of these things existing together. Mm -hmm. Structural, relational, Paul, as you say, the epoxy theory, right? Two things that are by themselves powerful. They, they, they have worth, but it's not until you put them together that you see um, where we can go with them. So within the workshop with people that they maybe know, people within their specific industries, but also people across the table who may have very different perspectives, they're able to go ahead and start considering the steps they can take to move their leadership forward. Yeah. And I brought it all together with a signature story that came out of the book, Good Leadership is a Team Sport. The one minute story is a very structural leader who really didn't concern herself with people's feelings or emotions or connections was thrown into a situation where the entire team was a relational group. And it, she had to make a drastic style change in order to tap into their motivations. And as she learned how to do that, they slowly became more interested in clarity of roles and redundant follow-through systems. And their performance increased as their individual accountability increased. And she learned a lot about what it meant to be a good leader. She couldn't just drive details and deadlines. It wasn't working. So um, we rallied around that concept as we did our workshop today. So as we move forward with this podcast, um, the strategy here is Monday morning quarterback. So JC, you and I are going to review what we did with Michelle, and then I'll ask you what your first impression is here in a second. We'll go back and forth and comment on what we heard. So you got to sit in the room and meet Michelle for the first time. What were your impressions? Michelle's a phenomenal human and a phenomenal leader. For, for someone who, who has had the success that, that Michelle has, she started by telling a story about being the, the, the non-good softball player and being the person sitting on the bench, keeping score. I relate to that. And the thing that I hoped she was going to do, and then right away she did, she spoke about she understood the power she had within that team 
And in doing so, it was the perfect setup for everything we spoke about. So through her stories, her candidness, um, her connections in and out of the workplace, um, I really loved um, getting to, to learn from Michelle today. Paul, what about you? Well, I've been working with her for quite a long time, and I find her to be very deeply thoughtful and intellectual, but just this ball of energy. Yeah. I just, it was so much fun sitting with her up on the stage in that room full of 200 people, and she was just energizing me to beyond belief. I, I just loved it. So let's do this. Let's just get right into the uh, conversation. So let's pick up the program where I asked her the opening question. When you hear the words, good leadership is a team sport, the title of the series and on the book, what comes to mind for you? Good leadership is a team sport. I grew up on the East Coast in Boston and was surrounded by great sports teams. Uh, I remember listening to the Red Sox on the radio. That's how old I am. And um, I enjoyed playing field hockey and softball in high school uh, and wasn't particularly good at softball. Uh, so I actually did the book. In the old days, you used to write, like, fly out, you know, position five. <laughs> you kept score. By, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so for me, you know, I learned pretty early on mm-hmm. that you can play a lot of different roles on a team uh-huh. and be incredibly valuable and sometimes, you know, learn more by sitting on the bench. So, Paul, that's the story I was talking about earlier, and I think it opens up to so many things that, that Michelle raises um, with, within the conversation with you. No question. And not only that, but she's fabulously successful CEO. And she was sitting on the end of the bench. We always think of these people as being star athletes. So that's awesome. So then I did ask her about how did she learn how to be a team leader. So let's jump to there. When you felt like you learned how to be a good team member and also a team leader, I know obviously your sports background, but then you can translate that into the business world. So can you give us a sort of a sports example and then a business example as well? Of how I became a good... Yeah, how you learned how to be a good team leader. Well, I probably actually, funny enough, fall back a little bit on um, Derek Jeter and the New York Yankees. My husband's a New York fan. I know, funny, right? Like the Boston fan pulled out the Yankees metaphor, but... Yeah, you're um, killing us around here. You already talked about Boston and New York. I know, I mean, jeez. I just always felt, (laughs) you know, Tom Brady in the same way, if you're going to pull... (laughs) You know, I was going to see how long I could go without talking about him. Yeah, there you go, there you go. No, but in all seriousness, being that coach and the, uh, more importantly, captain Mm -hmm. in the field, Mm -hmm. and I like to say there's nothing I wouldn't ask my people to do that I wouldn't do Mm -hmm. myself. Mm And so, uh, particularly, uh, what I didn't tell you about was after I got my MBA, Northern asked me to move to Seattle, and that was my first mm-hmm. real leadership opportunity. Mm-hmm. It happened to also head into the financial crisis, uh, and I was a pretty junior person relative to the experienced people that I was managing. And so, it was a perfect example of a time where you had to basically demonstrate that you weren't structurally operating in a place that wasn't side by side, uh-huh. uh, knowing that it was as important for me to be picking up the phone, calling clients as it was to be asking all of them to do that. Uh-huh. So uh, that was a moment where I remember, you know, we all had CNBC on watching, wondering how low the markets could actually go uh-huh. uh, and bracing our chairs and keeping people in their seats, literally, so mm-hmm. that they weren't just selling out because ultimately, like, that was the worst thing they could do. Mm-hmm. So by literally picking up the phone and, you know, being the first one in and the last one to leave, mm-hmm. I was 
there for people in an mm-hmm. attempt to understand where they were coming from, right? Mm-hmm. So when you talk about that relational capital, you learn a lot about people in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was one of the first ones for mm-hmm. me in a formal leadership role. So what'd you hear there, GC? You know, I have background as a, as a sports coach. And whenever I name a captain, I would say, hey, you may be excited right now, but you need to understand what you are signing up for to be sitting in this seat where you're going to get less out of it. You're going to spend more time stressing than your other teammates, but you're going to love what you get out of it because of that. Michelle, in so many ways, just spoke about all the different opportunities that you have in the seat of leader when you're focused on goodness, the relational and the structural, to go ahead and really move people. Yeah, and what's cool about that story, I think, is that she freely admits that she's a structural type leader naturally. And, you know, moments when you lead through a crisis or there's a team that you have to build credibility with, you can't just do it one way. She had to learn how to really relate to these people. And I think, you know, leading by example and showing them how she was going about what she was asking them to do, was it was good for her, for her development, not only that, but also for the solidarity of the team. And by golly, a Boston native using a Derek Jeter reference, there's something funny about that, but also we go to those places as leaders because we need to. Yeah, and it also underscores the silliness at the Good Leadership Breakfast. So, <laughs> But it's not all silliness. We also um, do some research and we identify success habits from each one of our speakers. And we do this in such a way that one of our people, uh, one of the coaches at Good Leadership will call three people that Michelle nominated. And we ask them questions to identify what does she do that they really admire. And the key question is, we say, if you were to have a job like hers tomorrow, what did you learn from Michelle that you would do for sure because it really works for you? Thus, a success habit. So let's go right to those success habits now. You use interpersonal connectivity to create buy-in for things that people may not want like. And I will say that, and for, this is a very relational concept, going back to what we talked about in epoxy. But I know you well to know that you're a very structural leader. So how do you do this, and why is it important to you? It goes back to that earlier concept that I mentioned, which is basically don't ask your people to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we talk about is it's not enough to learn one new thing a day right now. You've got to learn two to three new things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know in our business, we're constantly providing additional tools and resources to people, fraud prevention, cybersecurity, or themes we have to weave into our quarterly updates with clients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, it comes down to you know what am I asking them to do and wouldn't I do it myself? Uh, We're fortunate to have a business with clients we've had for many, many years and you're all watching inflation and you know trying to retain talent, everybody wants a raise, right? So we've had to take a look at some long relationships that we've had that have been at relative discounts to our current fee schedules. Uh And so I will basically demonstrate to my team how I have that conversation of the value proposition Mm -hmm. that we deliver to our clients Mm -hmm. and then ask them to do the same. But Mm -hmm. um, that's just one example of, you know, it's uncomfortable and I don't like it. You know, some folks are client service oriented and Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily want to be external uh, in the same way that I enjoy. Right. Mm -hmm. So trying to find ways to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that means you got to take the time to really get to know these people and understand, you know, what they're what's important to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's excellent. Uh, the second one is surround yourself with strong people who provide straight talk, and then listen. Now, I love coaching people that grew up on the East Coast because straight talk is a lot easier than it is here. 
Okay, so you surround yourself and then you listen to them. Talk about this for a little bit. How do you do this? So it's fun because uh, Pat Mahoney is here today from Northern Trust in Minnesota as yeah. well as our guest. And we just mm-hmm. met in person yesterday and we were having this very conversation. To your point, being an East Coaster, frankly, I've had to tone down my straight talk. Mm-hmm. It's actually been one of those things that can really? be an Achilles huh? heel. Like, I don't know how to do anything but the truth. Like, I <laughs> could tell you a story. I turned myself in in sixth grade for cheating on a vocabulary test. True story. My, I told my kids, right, like my failure, and I served attention, right? But I couldn't harness the guilt of <laughs> knowing that I had done something wrong. So mm-hmm. I'm a straight shooter. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. integrity is really important to everything that we do. But um, you all know when you take on leadership roles, there are people who want to be your champion, and they're going to give you the props to feel good about how you mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And then there's somebody, if you listen closely, who's going to give you some feedback. And if you run a culture of a growth mindset, you're going to get that. And mm-hmm. so uh, there was an exercise that we do in our offices that you might be uh, interested in knowing about, where at the end of a meeting, whether it's with a client or an internal meeting, we'll go around the table and rate the meeting on a scale of one to five. And so say someone says the meeting's a three and a half, the next question is, for you, what's the difference between a three and a half and a five? And so it starts about the meeting, and then it translates into your individual performance. So if I would evaluate myself as a two and a half, how would you reciprocate that? And so Uh you figure out, like, who your truth tellers are. That's Uh what we call them. Uh Um, and ultimately, mm-hmm. for me, I find them more valuable than the mm-hmm. cheerleaders um, yeah. because yeah. sometimes you want to know what you don't see, yeah. and those are the people that are going to tell you yeah. what you really need to hear. And- so we have another concept, for, and we around here at Good Leadership, we call that healthy tension, that if you feel like the meeting was a little bit of a waste of your time, we're, you're obligated, in the way we think about high-performing teams, to be able to speak your mind and tell people why it didn't work for you. It's how you say thank you. Like, if we're actually on the same team, if we're actually working towards the same goal, if anyone is doing anything that's pulling away from that, we all need to get used to the place, as Michelle said, hey, sometimes it's hard to, you know, to hear that the truth spoken quickly, but in a growth mindset, that's exactly what you want. Well, and team leaders like Michelle think that all news is good news. Yeah. She gets to decide whether or not she's going to act on it or not, but, you know, you're obligated to speak your mind. And, you know, most places where we coach, especially in the Midwest... That's a hard concept. People would rather sit and stew or talk to somebody else about it after the hallway. Well, that meeting was a waste of time. And when you have a leader that's as direct as Michelle, she's got to ask that question. Rate this meeting between one and five. It's, it's a success habit that we have in the back of the Good Leadership as a Team Sport book. She's not the person we learned it from, but it's a practice of high-performing team leaders that we wish more people would do. Well, and Paul, it's a teachable skill. Michelle's exercise is hey, team members, here's how you can provide straight talk that will lead to the place that you hope it would lead to. So again, providing straight talk and then waiting waiting for, 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 for the response to that, helping your team members understand how to do that, 101 right there. So we always ask for three success habits, so there's one more left. So let's go right there now. So the third one is tie everyone's work back to the team's top priorities. So um, how do you do, go about doing this? So I mentioned we have the 19 offices, and they're all run a little bit differently depending on the personality of the leader. Ultimately, we go back to our common mission statement. But when we talk about what we value, having fun is part of it. So Uh I've told this story, but 
um, in this expense environment, rather than get my top 45 leaders together in the third quarter, we made a decision that we had to translate to a virtual format for our offsite. And uh, one of my truth tellers said to me, I've got an idea. Why don't we talk about our brands? And we'll talk about the brands of each individual because we want them to have more swagger. Northern Trust can appreciate Uh the Minnesota nice. And to have conviction in what we do to differentiate ourselves and to be confident projecting that. And so what we did was recognizing that some of that is a shift in the way people think. It's change and evolution. It's fresh. We said, well, one of the big things that's gone on this summer is a representation of strong women who have continued to evolve and be relevant. And so we said, fantastic. Let's take Barbie, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift and ask everyone on my leadership team to pick the one that they can relate to the most. And we took, you know, instead of the Northern Trust background for your virtual screen, we pulled some pictures. I mean, we had folks sitting in the Barbie car with Ryan Gosling, and uh, it was super cute. And then everybody got to kind of use a little bit of fun to sort of tell their story, to think about who they want to be relative to who they are. And to use those three examples that are billionaire women in the summertime here in America as great representatives of change, evolution, connecting with their audiences, like the lessons you could pull from that just kept going on and on, and it was super fun. So how do I tie Barbie and Beyonce to Northern Trust? There you have it. I can tie anything uh, to work and top priorities. I think we're going to steal that one. Yeah. yeah it was fun. I got a great yeah. picture of it. Yeah. JC, now you know what your exercise is when you get here. Um, uh, I, I'll just say one more thing about this, and then JC, come on up. Um, this set of success habits, um, this is extraordinary. I mean, we coach hundreds of team leaders, and the fact that it's well-balanced around interpersonal connectivity there's structure all over this place, but you know, surrounding yourself with strong people, that's that A players and mission critical roles thing. Um, this stuff seems, over and over again we discover the most common sense things are the most difficult. So I, I, it's extraordinary that we learned this and I hope it was a gift for you to see this back from your people. Okay, so we have to talk about the obvious. Which one do you identify the most with, a Barbie, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift? Uh, I'm a Barbie guy, Paul. We, we look at the agelessness, but again, for so long, people have been like, they're going to make a Barbie movie? What is that? Like, what is it going to do? And all of a sudden, it's, it's, it's changed the world. Um, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Barbie guy for sure. What about you? Well, I saw Beyonce perform live once, and I was like, wow. That was one of the most magnetic performances I've ever seen in my life, and I not really don't have a much relationship with Barbie or Taylor Swift, so I have to say Beyonce. But that even just makes me laugh that I would even say that out loud. So every everything is everything's fair game on the podcast. Okay, once again, enough of the silliness now. So for ten years in a row, we've been asking the very same question of these speakers, and it's been fun to watch a pattern evolve for how they answer. So let's go right to that question now. Help us with a proof statement. How do you know for sure that goodness pays for you and your leadership? We hired you, Paul. Ah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Well, four and a half years ago, I took my boss's position running the West region. Mm -hmm. And there's a great photo on my desk today of the 14 top leaders in the West at that time. Mm -hmm. And it was taken in Chicago at our headquarters, and it was celebratory. And I'm in the middle of it, and he thought it'd be really cute if everybody was pointing at me. Well, four and a half years later, it feels like a photo from Back to the Future, because people have been retiring, 
They've been promoted internally. Some of them have moved on to other opportunities. And of the 14 people, there's only me and one other still in that picture. And so in the course of four and a half years in this environment, which has been lots of change for all of us, Mm -hmm. I've had to identify talent and promote from within and hire new people. And I know for sure that goodness pays, and I'm doing something to balance structural and Mm -hmm. relational, Mm -hmm. because I was able to take a two-week vacation this summer for the first time in that four and a half years and feel like I was truly disconnected from work so that I could recharge and empower the talent that we've got. Assume good intent. They might not do everything the way I would do it, but that's the power of giving people space to think independently and to grow themselves. So uh, for me, that's how goodness pays. So what did you hear when you listened to that? You look for uh, an opportunity to find a crack or an inconsistency within a leader and go, is this real? And you, and you can't find that in Michelle. Every story, whether it's one of, of strife or stress or, or, or struggle or, or one of having to throw an audible, and Michelle continues to respond with her core, with, with her mission, with her purpose. And all of that is what's unlocked when, when you focus on goodness. It was a, a wonderful opportunity to, to, to see someone continue to validate their resiliency and how refined they are to, to their vision. Paul, what'd you hear? Well, um, we've been coaching CEOs and presidents like this for a long, long time. And when you're a professional services provider, there's only four things you provide. You help people do something faster, cheaper, better, or easier. And the value proposition that our clients appreciate the most is easier. Their lives get better when they build people who thrive together in teams. And Michelle has built a team and an organization where she can go away for two weeks and she can disconnect and nothing went wrong. And matter of fact, I'm sure she'll tell us some things got better. Life is hard enough the way it is. If we can come in and help improve the performance of teams and spread goodness in an organization, it means that everybody's job is a little bit easier. The returns on that are a million to one. It's, It's awesome. I really enjoyed hearing that from her. Yeah. And the proof is right here. So thank you for joining us today on the Good Leadership Podcast. The debrief of Michelle Havens was really fun to relive that again. So if you missed the Good Leadership Breakfast in person and would like to watch the video, it will be posted on social media and the Good Leadership website very soon. As a reminder, our firm Good Leadership is an organizational effectiveness coaching firm. We exist because everyone knows you can't have an effective organization without good leadership, and we believe you can't have good leadership without goodness. You can find information about our past and future breakfasts on social media by joining our email list or by searching our website, www.goodleadership.com. The next breakfast in our fall series is October 20th, featuring Mai Ann Tran, Vice President of Philanthropic Services with the St. Paul and Minnesota Foundation. And thank you for investing in yourself. This podcast is just one of the many resources for self-directed learning inside of our Good Leadership Essentials program to develop greater leadership capacity in organizations. So remember the mission of our firm Good Leadership and the breakfast itself is to spread goodness through good leaders because we've proven goodness pays. Have a great week, everyone. And as you think about your own leadership, what do we want everyone to remember, JC? Goodness pays. Yep, goodness pays. Goodness pays.